Our first reading today from the book of Acts. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers. Together the crowd numbered about 120 persons and said, Friends, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit through David foretold concerning Judas, who became a guide for those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. So one of the men who had accompanied us during all the time that the Lord of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us to his resurrection. So they proposed two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who is also known as Justice, and Matthias from which Judas turned aside to go to his... If we receive human testimony, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of his Son. Those who believe in the Son of God have the testimony in their hearts. Those who do not believe in God have made him a liar by not believing in the testimony that God has given concerning his Son. And this is the testimony. God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Here ends the reading. In our Gospel for today from John, the 17th chapter, Jesus prayed, I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me I have given to them, and they have received them, and know in truth I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given to me. I guarded them, and not one of them was lost except the one destined to be lost, so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world, so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As they have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. 
and for their sakes I sanctify myself, so that they also may be sanctified in truth. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Have you ever been called upon out of the blue to do something? Something you didn't expect you'd be called upon to do? Maybe it was something at church. Maybe you're asked to do something you didn't ever imagine yourself doing. Maybe it seemed like you were just chosen at random. I remember the occasions during my youth when our family, for whatever reason, lost track of whose turn it was to wash the dishes. Like coming home after being on vacation. My sister and brother and I could get into quite an argument about that. And I remember how my father would solve the dilemma. He would take a toothpick out of the toothpick holder and then he would break it so it was in three pieces. And then he would put that between his forefinger and his thumb and he would hold it out and we would each be asked to take one of the lengths of the toothpick. And as we draw our length, the shortest length would be the winner, or the loser, however you looked at it, because that person would be doing the dishes. The reason I'm thinking about that, and that mode of selection, that kind of decision-making from my own family history, is that it relates to the first reading we had from the book of Acts. In this first chapter in Acts, the Christian church makes this very important decision. In the early days, they selected Matthias to fill the vacancy in the 12 disciples, the vacancy created by this defection and death of Judas. And did you notice how that selection came about, that selection of Matthias? The disciples cast lots. It was like drawing straws or toothpicks. This organizational process of choosing a leader to be the 12th disciple is what we are listening to as we heard that reading, the first lesson today. Notice in verse 15 of this reading. Peter addressed this crowd of followers, a crowd that numbered about 120 people, and spoke about the qualifications of this would-be disciples. One of those who have accompanied us during all the time, the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he ascended into heaven. One of these could take the place of Judas and make a witness to the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So based on the thoughtful reflection of these qualifications, two men were proposed, Justice and Matthias. And next they cast lots to see which one. But no, there was one other step that came in between. Did you notice that step? 
taken before the casting of lots. What did they do? It was in verse 24. They did discuss all these qualifications and gifts and abilities who would be best to serve God's mission in this role. But the next thing they did, they prayed. They prayed. And here's the key, right? To the whole decision-making process. To the whole casting of lots in the early church. The key in this decision-making at this time, at any time in Christ's church, including our time, the key is prayer. Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which one of these two you have chosen. One Christian author, Henry Nowen, the openness where God can give God's self to us. Prayer creates the openness where God can give God's self to us. It's true, isn't it? Prayer opens us up to God. And prayer makes space for God's will to shape our own. Maybe that's what makes prayer so challenging. Sometimes it's downright difficult. Because it means putting God's will front and center. Not my own. Not your own. It means letting go of what I want for myself. And it means letting go of what you want for yourself. To pray is to set aside my preferences, your preferences. It is to enter that space where we have no preferences. Where we just listen for God, for God's will. That's not easy, is it? Because, of course, we all have an ego that drives us. To enter into prayer is to enter a time of waiting, which is what church is all about. Especially in the early church, as they were waiting for God's choice of this new disciple. We are in a waiting time also right now here in our congregation as we wait for the choice of a new pastor. We don't know God's timing on that, what God's preference is on that. And so we wait in prayer. And this is a good waiting time too to think about from our Christian calendar Thursday, last Thursday was the Ascension, 40 days after the Resurrection. And next Sunday will be Pentecost, 50 days after the Resurrection. The celebration of the birth of the Church, the gift of the Holy Spirit. So it's a waiting time. 
in so many different ways. We wait for the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Some years ago, a church uh, magazine had a series of articles based on questions most commonly asked by people in churches. Interestingly, the most common question was this. How do I figure out God's will for my life? And a column suggested three things. I think they were really right on that can be said in answer to this question. First, we do know the framework of God's will for our lives in the world. We are called to love God and love our neighbor. All decisions we make about our lives ought to be framed within these two great commandments. Our lives are not our own to do with as we please, but rather our lives belong to God. And we will be most happy when we center our lives in God's command. As Jesus said, the greatest command, love God, love neighbor, twofold. And so where does love lie in this situation? We have to ask ourselves that whenever we face a difficult situation. Where does love lie? Love for God, love for neighbor. Secondly, we know we live our lives under the embrace of God's forgiving love. This is really important to remember. For we don't have our lives all perfectly put together at any time. We are sinner saints. That's the paradox that we live in throughout this, this life, in this world. In this world, we are incomplete. We see in a mirror darkly, 1 Corinthians 13. We walk by faith, not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We don't have it all put together. We rely on God and God's forgiving love. Martin Luther advised that we will have to choose boldly on our path. We don't often know for certain which is the right path. We choose knowing that God's forgiving love will sustain us in the midst of life's many decisions, even when maybe we fail to make the right decision. And so third, we know that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Romans 8.28, we know that all things work together for good. So God is at work in the midst of our decisions, even as clouded as they are. And in a sense, I think it tells us that God is always working to make the best out of our decisions. As people of God, claimed by Jesus Christ, surrounded by his everlasting love, we choose, we decide, we act, all in the assurance that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And so these three points inform 
our decisions. Give us a framework for understanding God's will for our lives in any situation. Number one, where does love lie? Love of God, love of neighbor. Number two, sustained always by God's love. I don't expect perfection from myself. I can move forward as one forgiven. And third, I'm always aware that God is at work to make the best out of my decisions. Throughout all of our discerning days, as we seek God's will, as we wait, as we pray, the prayer we learn is the prayer the disciples pray. Lord, show us. Show us your will. Show us what you have chosen. Show us who you have chosen. The whole point of decision-making in the book of Acts is so that the witness surrounding the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead might continue and go forth, that other people might know this good news. So in what way is God calling us to be witnesses to the risen Christ? And what shape will that take in our lives? What new ways will we be called by the Spirit? What decisions will we make? Will prayer be central to our life together, our personal lives too, as we prepare to open ourselves so God can give God's self to us. Can we pray? Show us, Lord. Show us. Oh God, you know everything. You know what is best for each one of us and for our congregation here at United Lutheran. Help us to grow in our trust for you so that when it is time to cast lots, make choices. We do so to learn of your decision, the decision that is, and give us the will then to follow your choice. Show us. I invite you to affirm your Christian faith now in the word of the creed, and I invite you to creator of heaven, I who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, Pilate, was crucified, died in the Spirit. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to the church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection. Amen. According to their need. Holy God in Christ Jesus, the joy of the church is made complete. Root the church in your word and unify us as Christ's body. Keep us alive and send us into the world as your loving people. Spirit at work among us. Lord, in your mercy. Mighty God, the world is your handiwork, displaying your creative impulse. Seas teem with life, forests reach up to praise you, 
and the mystery of life lies deep in the soil, in the seeds that have been planted, in the fields. Guard and keep this world, the well-being of your creatures. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. Gracious Sovereign, those who follow your ways are like trees planted near streams of water. Establish the leaders of nations and all in authority in your grace and truth. Strengthen them so your people, the people they serve, will have abundant life. We pray today for peace in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. Sick, suffering, poor, lonely, outcast, rejected, or sick, and loved to all in need, especially Jonathan, Colleen, Lucille, Terry, Brett, Ruth, Leroy, Larry, Perry, Sally, Bud, Gary, Adele, John, Croy, and others we name before you. Give them a tangible sign of your steadfast love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who have been affected by COVID-19. Protect families and friends. Support healthcare workers. Give continuing development of vaccines and their distribution. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Creator God, here in this community, we share the gift of praying, learning, and supporting one another. Give us thankful hearts as we claim unique to us, and keep us from being envious of others with different gifts. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Saving God, your wonderful promise is the gift of eternal life in Jesus. Through the witness of those who have died in you, strengthen us now in this we cherish the memory of your saints, especially those who we remember in our hearts before you now. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In the hope of new life in Christ, we raise our prayers to you, trusting in your never-ending goodness and mercy through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. We give thanks today for all of God's gifts. We thank God for the gift of his everlasting love, that nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ. Thank you for your gifts and support of the ministry and mission of United Lutheran Church as we seek to make Christ known in this community. God bless you in your stewardship of all the gifts God has entrusted to you. Let us pray. Holy God, gracious and merciful, you bring forth food from the earth and nourish your whole creation. Turn our hearts toward those who hunger in any way, that all may know your care. And prepare us now to feast on the bread of life, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. night which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, and he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. 
Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup. We had given thanks, he gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. We pray together the prayer of Lord Thomas. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The gifts of God and the people of God, the body of Christ given for you, the blood of Christ shed for you, you may commune now. Christ strengthen you and keep you in his grace. Amen. We give you thanks, Almighty God, who refreshed us through the healing power of this gift of life. In your mercy, strengthen us through this gift in faith toward you and in love toward one another for the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Christ is with you. Thanks be to God. And we are treated today by Paige's music. Thank you, Paige, for your full salute, too.